It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Upfront program. I'm Roger, and um, today uh, we'll be uh, chatting politics um, as we will be tomorrow. I guess tomorrow on the program, we're, we're switching. Today we're going to do a state uh, political office uh, interview. And uh, then tomorrow we'll switch gears back to the local scene. Scott McGee, who is a local real estate guy and um, restaurateur for that matter, and uh, also Woonsocket resident, uh, is running for city council. And he'll be uh, with us tomorrow. And we'll be uh, chatting with uh, him. This is going to be his first uh, foray into into local politics. I don't know if he knows what he's getting into, uh, so I'll I'll uh, go over that with him tomorrow on the Upfront program. You're welcome to uh, to join us. So we are continuing continuing our series of programs, uh, interviewing some of the uh, statewide candidates uh, for the uh, election in November. And the primary in September, Friday, uh, was an interesting conversation with uh, Stephen uh, Pryor, the former Commerce Secretary, and now wants to be um, the general treasurer of the state of Rhode Island. And uh, we, in the uh, radio interview uh, game, we would say he was a good radio interview. He was uh, easy to talk to, articulate, uh, and uh, so he uh, is making for a good um, a good prospect for the general treasurer. Today, we're going to uh, talk with one of the candidates for lieutenant governor. We've had a number already, including the sitting lieutenant governor, um, Sabina Matos. She was here a few weeks ago. We chatted with her. This guy's name is uh, Aaron uh, Gukian, right? Um, yeah, that's it. Correct. Yeah, that's, yep. I got it. I got it. And uh, he is not a stranger to, uh, to this building. He's running for lieutenant governor. Uh, and uh, do you have a, a primary candidate as or, or uh, as? Uh, I'm not a, sure just yet. You know, the they're getting the signatures all collected. Uh-huh. Um, so it'll be inter- uh, uh, right. interesting. I'm the endorsed Republican, so yep. that was good. So, um, so if uh, this, um, if you don't have a primary battle, you'll be uh, on the ballot in November. Anyway, um, Aaron is running for uh, lieutenant governor. Uh, in the state of Rhode Island, um, $122,000 a year job. That's a good job. And uh, Sabina Mathis does not want to lose it, and uh, Aaron would like to gain it. So let's talk a little bit about uh, about you. You uh, you know, when you walk into the building, I, I recognized you. Uh, so it's not like we haven't seen you before. What is the circumstances under which I met you? Uh, did you work for somebody that I know well? Yeah, so I worked for uh, Governor Kachiri and the First Lady, Suzanne Kachiri, for two terms, and I drove them during the first campaign. So this was uh, about the time that I jumped on uh, around 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, I can't believe it. You know, I'm 46 years old, and but I was a young man back then and, and uh, never thought it was just something to do uh, during the summer. Uh, I was a teacher in North Kingstown. Uh, teaching K through five music. I'm a certified music teacher, and and uh, most of my friends were out of state. So I drove him, and and during the summer, and then he won, and uh, the primary against Jimmy Bennett, which most people remember, and uh, then he went on, and and he defeated Murph York, and I would teach from nine to three, and then pick him up at three thirty. We'd go to events from three through to eleven every night, and then on the weekends, seven in the morning to eleven at night, and uh, lo and behold, he. Uh, he got that momentum that every politician's looking for, and uh, and we won. And uh, what a, what a night it was at Rhodes and Patuxet. And uh, I just remember you probably remember Ken McKay, the mm-hmm. the chief of staff. He came running to me with this old flip phone, and I'm like, Ken, everyone's in, and even the governor t- time just Don and Sue. They were just like everybody's in the in the roads. And and I said, who could be calling? And I gave him the phone. It was on loud and. It was uh, President Bush congratulating uh, Don and Sue for the, the, the victory, and uh, what a night it was! And uh, and uh, and then we were off and running. So uh, it was an incredible time. And as you know, six weeks later, we had the station fire, um, which was uh, one of the biggest crises here in the state. And uh, 
um, you know, we, we had to really uh, put it all together and, and help those families uh, in need with all the burn victims and obviously the people that perish. So, so that was uh, very fast. But, um, you know, I think of uh, the First Lady. Uh, as you know, she passed away in November 2018, and, and she was like, um, you know, I have, a, I have a beautiful family, I have great parents, but she was like a mother to me. So I think of her all the time now um, as I'm on the trail, as do I with uh, Don, who's retired. Now, um, before we get into talking about your candidacy, because of uh, your unique uh, background, um, was it the station fire that maybe made uh, Donald uh, not to become a senator or congressman uh, uh, or just uh, returning to private industry yeah i mean the governor was it was it was an interesting thing right he uh he worked at cooks in america he was a captain of industry he rose through the ranks um you know his father was a teacher coach and and uh, you know he really wanted to do this for the state and it was all about local and he really didn't have any um, you know, what did he conveyed to me that he was trying to get to the next level. He was in the present and uh, he wanted to run for Rhode Island. And that's why I'm here. Uh, people ask me why I'm running. Um, you know, I think oh, that's my question. Uh, Aaron, why are you running? For- <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll interview well, myself. Right. Why are you running for a lieutenant governor? <laughs> well, the biggest thing I, I mean, we're upside down right now um, as a state and as a country and. Um, I worked very hard in my life to, um, you know, provide for my three daughters and, and, and my wife's a teacher at Johnson Wales University. She grew up here. She went to St. Mary's school and uh, we were just over there at the St. Mary's feast, um, which was just a great time and a great carnival. And I ran the 5K and finished. So I was happy about that. But bottom line is, you know, she went to LaSalle, went to East Greenwich High School, and, and you know, I and we, I'll just say me and my wife, we just don't like what's going on. And so I've always wanted to run. Uh, I thought that this is the right time, and um, and I want to help. And so the biggest thing I want to do is, is provide a help center, which I can get into, um, which I think can really maximize Lieutenant Governor's office. I think you call it uh, in one of your news releases or, or a, new, a news story I saw, rather, I, I was Constituent Affairs Office. Is that what it's going to be? Well, like, um, you know, Constituent Affairs Office on steroids. And what I mean is, you know, that was just a joke that Kathy Gregg put in the Providence Journal. But the bottom line is, you know, uh, because of my experience with government, um, banking, uh, Rhode Island Foundation, a lot of people come to me and say, Aaron, I'm having a problem getting this certificate of occupancy or I'm having a problem with this DMV issue or whatever the issue is with state government. We have so many great state workers, but a lot of times it's barriers are entry to get to those state workers. And so it may, might take me one or two phone calls because my relationships over the years could take people weeks, months. And uh, it's a very frustrating process. So what I figured was take it from a passive to an active um, position, get a task force, if you will, um, of specialists that can answer calls, that have background in those positions. Let's say it's small business, you got to get a retired small business person who knows what the issues are. And um, we start to connect people from the community to those state workers to uh, expedite um, the process to get to a solution. And um, as you know, the governor's office has eight FTEs, seven to eight FTEs, full-time employees. I don't want to do alphabet soup. So um, we could really leverage that office to doing the right thing and really helping people. And, you know, just for example, I had uh, a, a great friend. My mother-in-law died of Alzheimer's, and she came to me at Dave's Market, and she was crying. And she just said, you know, I don't know what to do here. I'm calling everybody. I'm, I'm in the queue. I need a username and password. There's so many great nonprofits, so many great agencies. Um, but, you know, there's those barriers. So I made a few phone calls, and lo and behold, you know, she got the, the services she needed. And uh, it's all because I know to how to navigate the system. And so that's what uh, is really at the forefront of my platform here uh, as I'm running for lieutenant governor. One of the uh, things uh, that I think um, probably qualify you the most is working at the Rhode Island Foundation. I, mm-hmm. It seems like um, you... You did um, development, right? Uh, in other words, yeah. fundraising. Yeah, raise right, money right, for to right. Do that more means good. a lot. That means phone calls, <laughs> and that means being persuasive. Um, mm-hmm. 
And uh, so uh, I would imagine uh, that um, that there will be one of your um, assets uh, if you're uh, a lieutenant governor, right? Yeah, I mean, I was very fortunate. Neil Steinberg, uh, the CEO and president, who will be retiring next May, he, he announced that. Yeah. Uh, what a great leader. Uh, just uh, unbelievable person in the community. And, and uh, I know the whole state will miss him. But um, I was fortunate. I went to so many events, obviously, pre-COVID. And... Um, and really represented the foundation, uh, constantly interacting with different um, prospects and donors to try to get those monies, you know, to the community. Uh, we had a great grant office officers over there, and um, you know, I, I, I raised millions and millions of dollars of char uh, for charity. And as they say, you sleep with angels over there. So uh, there was just so many times where a person would come to me, and, and sometimes it, it sounds facetious, and like in a joking manner, but it's not true. It's true. It's, it's uh, some people, they do so well in their specific field, but don't really know what they want to do with their philanthropic dollars, how, how to allocate them, and where to get the most impact. And that's where the Rhode Island Foundation, I think, is magical. You know, founded in 1916, one of the oldest and largest community foundations. I always sometimes call it a billion-dollar secret because even though the communication staff does such a great job of getting the word out, a lot of people in Rhode Island don't know about the Rhode Island Foundation. And there's scholarships and, and uh, designated funds um, and, uh, that do so much for the community. And, uh, and it's, it was just such an honor to work there for five-plus years. Um, lastly, I was... I was the head of the Professional Advisory Council, which was made up of uh, all of the <clears throat> financial planners, accountants, state attorneys. So I met with um, 100 um, advisors a year. I really helped with that PAC or the Professional Advisory Council to uh, try to connect advisors to the Rhode Island Foundation. So when they have that referral, we're able to use those monies uh, and get them into an endowment to hopefully, uh, you know, uh, help help someone or a group or a nonprofit in perpetuity. The uh, Rhode Island Foundation, I think we're familiar with them up here. We've, uh, we've had the, uh, uh, the CEO uh, on our program yeah, a few times uh, over, over the uh, past few years. And, um, and it must be uh, not this is, this is an interview about the Rhode Island Foundation, but yeah. it must be challenging trying to look at the, the, the uh, state and uh, distribute those funds um, when it comes to allocating funds um, equally um, around the state yeah. of Rhode Island. That <laughs> must be a challenge. We do, they do a great job of vetting. I always have to say they, not we. i got to watch my pronouns. But <laughs> they do a great job. But I think getting back to the lieutenant governor's race, um, you know, my interaction with so many Rhode Islanders, um, my um, knowledge of the Rhode Island Foundation, and also constantly... Um, being part of those complicated track transactions were up in the seven to eight figures. Um, you know, maximizing my master's in business administration, which I got at Johnson & Wales at night uh, at when I had my three, three children. Um, you know, qualifications matter. And if you're going to take a approximately $13.6 billion budget over, and as we, we just recently saw with, um, you know, Governor Mundo moving on to the Biden administration and Lieutenant Governor being elevated to the governor's post, the person that's in that role needs to know and needs to have the background. And not only do I have the financial acumen, but I also was in the office as a special assistant, the eyewitness to power, as you might say, uh, to the governor and the first lady. And, um, you know, we spoke briefly about the station fire, but emergency management is one of, the, you know, the key priorities of the lieutenant governor under statute. And, and uh, you know, I was, I went through the station fire, I was, uh, the floods, a hurricane, you know, I was the chairman of the Warwick Sewer Authority, which was flooded during those, uh, that massive flood in 2010. So you can't teach that. You can't, um, you know, you can't rush experience, as they say. I have that experience, and uh, that's one of the, the reasons I'm running for lieutenant governor for the state of Rhode Island. This is my last question on the Rhode Island Foundation, because I realize you're running for lieutenant governor. Of course, <laughs> okay. but it's a great organization. <laughs> right. I was so proud to be yeah, there. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I think it's uh, quite an organization, and I am surprised, uh, but uh, you have to uh, let me know that there are so many people uh, of substance financially in Rhode Island, um, and then they're willing to give up uh, that substance uh, 
uh, and and turn it right back to the state. Uh, were you surprised when you got into that job? Well, I think a couple things. I think one, a lot of people grew up here. They might have moved away, had successful careers, and then they moved back. That boomerang uh, theory that we always talk about Rhode Island, especially when their parents might get older and you know weren't part of that sandwich uh, organ uh, sandwich uh, group, you know where you have older parents and younger children. And especially during COVID, some people came back because you can work, um, you know, via Zoom and and, uh, and that way. Um, so uh, I guess also a lot of small business owners, it's, it's passed. We have so many small businesses in the state and it's passed from generation to generation. And there's a lot of wealth, a lot of hard work. Um, and so people, when they sell that building um, or they sell that business or all of it, you know, they, they have a, a tax situation that they have to look at, and why not put it into philanthropy and get that maximum tax deduction? So, um, you know, that's another reason I'm running for lieutenant governor is, is to help those small businesses. And I've heard, I mean, I was just at a, an ice cream place in Warwick, and just a few years ago, and I know they rectified the situation, so I want to highlight that, but they needed two different certificates for selling uh, hard ice cream and soft ice cream. So... For multiple years, <laughs> really? they had to put paperwork in. Uh, again, it was rectified. Uh-huh. But those are the types of things that are, are preventing our small businesses to really flourish. Um, if, if you're out trying to uh, figure out something within the state and you're not running your business, and this was really maximized uh, uh, by COVID, it's just it's just not fa- it's not it's not necessary. And what I'm hoping to do is once we get these frequently asked questions, getting a flow chart, getting that task force, as you will, to constantly be getting that throughput through the state so people won't have these issues, especially our small businesses, which are the backbone of our economy. They were crushed by COVID. And, you know, it's it's just it doesn't need to be. So it's one of the reasons that I'm really passionate running for lieutenant governor, because I want to help. And that's why I want that help center and that hotline. And uh, it's the reason I'm here today. We're going to take our break. How do you pronounce your name again? It's Aaron Gukian. Gukian. Um, you did a great job. Yeah. Well, right. My family says it different ways. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, and the only reason I bring that up a second time is that um, um, our names, no, well, not necessarily yours, but our names of candidates' uh, issues in terms of, of voter recognition and, and trying to get the, the message out as opposed to I have Frank Smith in front of me uh, here, uh, L- Lieutenant Governor Candidate. You're not Frank Smith. No. You're Aaron. I'm A.G. to the L.G., right? Gukian. <laughs> Aaron. Aaron. Aaron Gukian. Great. Well, what do you think of that? Is that a, is that a tough uh, issue for uh, some candidates, their name? I mean, S- Sabina Matos, um, I don't know if um, maybe it's because she's, you know, attended so many news conferences with the governor. Maybe that's why her name is a little bit easier to handle. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that what my uncles say, and they have a business called Gukian Energy up in upstate New York, and my Uncle Joe always said, I went to LaSalle and played hockey uh, with one of those great teams that won uh, the New England Championship, was uh, once you get the name, it sticks. <laughs> and it takes, it, you know, Governor Kachiri said he spent a million dollars for people to pronounce his name correctly, and, and he wasn't far off. So. Yeah, that's a good point. So uh, I guess that's why I'm here at WNRI. <laughs> right. right. When I first came across Kachiri, what? All right. I, I yeah. get it. I get it now. We'll take a break, and then uh, actually we'll uh, dig down into the uh, actual office of uh, Lieutenant Governor. And... Um, and see what this guy uh, can do for us, all right? This is the Upfront program on WNRI Live Commercial, first of all. I want to tell you uh, they'll be open today uh, at uh, 9 o'clock this morning. And they're a company that specializes in American-made products for the working person and the person who works around the house. The name of the business is Waltz Clothing here in Woonsocket. They've been around a whole bunch of years. And American-made products, including... 20 styles of American-made boots from Carolina Thoroughgood, Red Wing, and Rocky. And even more are expected uh, through the summer as the shipments come in. And we sell American-made camber sweatshirts, as is American-made socks from Fox River in Carolina. And full-grain leather belts by Carolina. And our even our boot laces and our leather god and boot gods are... American made. And we uh, we have a 
clearance sale on boots going on all summer long. And we have select styles if you, in case you want to stop in. So here are the final details. The name of the business is Waltz Clothing, 837 Cumberland Hill Road, here in Woonsocket. Open Tuesday through Saturday at 9 o'clock. And the most important thing about Waltz we want to tell you about is Rocco, the little dog that's in there. Uh, when you go in, say hi to Rocco, but don't step on him. He's that small, <laughs> right? Rocco at Waltz Clothing. All right, checking in with Grumpy's in Bellingham. Seven-day-a-week dining at Grumpy's. Quality dining, casual dining. Monday through Thursday, our $10 dinner special starting at 4 p.m. You might find baked manicotti on the menu, or honey jack chicken, or our special oven-baked meatloaf. Monday through Thursday, $10 dinner special starting at 4 at Grumpy's. Or you can select from our regular menu with so many choices. And our kitchen is open on Friday and Saturday night till midnight for your convenience. So, for quality dining, come on into Grumpy's Restaurant, holding our prices during these inflationary times. Pulaski Boulevard, South Bellingham, Massachusetts. Kayer Kosher, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick. 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Kayer Kosher. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number, 766-8100. And remember, having Kayer Kosher to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. Woonsocket and Warwick offices, Kayer Kosher, certified public accountants. If you love food, you'll love us. Who are we? We are the honey shop here in Woonsocket. And so uh, you would think the only thing we sell is honey. Wrong. We have it all at the honey shop. Kathy and Paul invite you to uh, stop by. We're open seven days a week. We um, we have the perfect gift for you. You know, we have uh, the gourmet gift baskets and handcrafted jewelry and essential oils, uh, fragrance oils, skin care products, and lots of, uh, of good food items. If you're into keto dieting, uh, we have a little keto section there so that you can get the keto flour and things like that. And we also have been running these seminars, and, um, and we have one coming up uh, it's called Tour of Tuscany at the Honey Shop, and it's going to be Friday, July the 22nd. And uh, this is, um, you know, a, a pasta-making uh, event. <clears throat> We're going to do all kinds of things uh, with olive oil and, and uh, also uh, sun-dried tomatoes. And we'll show you how to cook Tuscan-style at the uh, Honey Shop. And to join this uh, class, it's, um, I believe, $45 a person. And we'll even have uh, wine sampling at the end of the meal. You have to be 21 and over, of course. And uh, we'll show you how to cook it all and how to prepare it all and how to buy it all. We will uh, be doing this on Friday, the uh, 22nd of July. Tour of Tuscany. For information, call the Honey Shop here in uh, Woonsocket, Rhode Island, and we will set you up, okay? And uh, we'll make a reservation for you at 766-1488. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Aaron is in the studio. And uh, he is uh, running for lieutenant governor. And um, he um, has got a pretty good background. We have a caller waiting. But I wanted to ask you, uh, well, let's take the caller. Let's, uh, let's see what this gentleman has to say. Hello, do you, or gentleman, the lady. I don't know who it is. Who is it? It's the Joker. Who do you think it's it is? It's the Robert? Joker. Okay. What Uh-oh. Do you, here we go. What do you, <laughs> this guy's okay. All right. <laughs> Aaron was getting worried. I'm thinking of Batman right, he gonna, here. <laughs> he was, uh, no worries. Uh, I got a question. I'm going to kind of lob you a softball here because I, I, I really don't know a lot about the lieutenant governor's office. From, mm-hmm. from what I understand... Uh, I, I believe it kind of presides over the Senate. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I guess my question is, um, with the um, Dan McKee, when he was lieutenant governor, I think one of the big things, he, and I like the ideas you're talking about, but one of the big things he talked about was um, traveling to other states to try to introduce them to Rhode Island markets, you know, trying to convince people to move their businesses, stuff like that. I think that was something McKee did. Any plans like that if you were elected? And that's all I have. All right, thank you. So are you uh, thinking of being an economic 
Development Director for the state of Rhode Island? Well, I think I'll be a champion um, of the state. And if there's a, um, a situation that merits, uh, you know, uh, let's say taking a ride to Boston or New York or, or even, you know, a, a trade mission, if it really makes sense. Um, I have a friend named Fred Magnamini. He, he owns Luke and Danny, we'll say. It's a jewelry uh, company uh, that he's brought um, from five years. It's a multi-generational company. But I guess the re reason I'm bringing up Fred is that, let's just say, for example, he thinks there's something they, they could source for the jewelry industry uh, in Rhode Island. Um, says, oh, Aaron, I think if we went to Virginia or we went to this place that it would really help us um, an introduction. Um, then obviously, yes, I'd be all in. Um, but I think I would vet it. I would look at the numbers, um, you know, do my due diligence before I would use the taxpayer's money and, and go traveling, we'll say, to try to find uh, businesses. I think we should really kind of look at what we have, um, you know, things like the blue economy, as they talk about the ocean. Um, you know, they're thinking of use. There's a lot of different ways that we can leverage our ocean um, I think to attract um, business and, and attract, hopefully, uh, dollars into this economy. So uh, that's just my answer to that question. All right. Fair enough. Uh, you mentioned um, there are a few statutory mandates for being lieutenant governor. Mm -hmm. And I think you mentioned uh, a part of it was... Uh, uh, um, it's emergency management. Emergency management. That's right. what I was trying Small to think business of. Right. and long-term health care. Right. Yeah. So those are the, the things you have to do. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So that means that when somebody is elected to uh, lieutenant governor's position, that uh, besides taking care of their mandates um, through statute that they have to carry out for the office, you can create your own, um, your own special, um, um, uh, shall we say, issues because when i had the lieutenant governor here as uh, dan mckee mm -hmm. he was trying to help small business uh, i mean that was that seemed to be his his yeah. theme and uh you and know, cut the red tape for yeah. small businesses um try to be out there you know i'm born and bred here i know a lot of different people in a lot of different sectors and when an issue arises you know shine a light on it and try to fix it as quickly as possible rather than it just festering and not getting to the correct people um, you know, the, the speaker, the Senate president, just to make sure that pe people have an advocate up there. Um, it's, it's almost, it, you know, obviously the Democrat Party is it's a, it's one of the bluest states in the nation. And, um, you know, if you use that bully pulpit and you're constantly talking about issues that matter and advocating for the people, um, I think that's the most important part. Um, and also, and when I talked about having the help center, that will be very important. And having that, we'll call it a task force of so those group of specialists in the different um, areas that we just discussed. But also, if there's an emergency, to quickly pivot, all hands on deck, um, support the governor, who will be the head of state and the adjutant general and the colonel of state police and uh, the head of emergency management. And that all hands on deck to address the crisis. And once it's averted, you know, go back to business as usual. So that's something that I think what I learned uh, with emergency management is that, you know, six weeks into it, we, into the Kachiri administration, we had this station fire. And, you know, you don't want to be passing business cards out during an emergency. So um, I think that that's something I would immediately, you know, a lot of times when you have governments, especially if this is transitions, <coughs> you know, when elected, I'll ensure that I work with the people, work with the state police, make sure that everyone has cell phones, um, contact information. And sometimes the old walkie-talkies, whatever it is, in case phones go down, radio. So um, we're all in sync if, God forbid, there's a crisis that happens. And it's usually not, it's like Murphy's Law, it's never what you think. If you ask Governor Kachiri, oh, it would be your first emergency, I don't think it was going to be a, a nightclub fire where 100 people perish. Absolutely. If you're just uh, tuning in here, let's see upfront program. Aaron Gukian is with us. He is running for lieutenant governor. And uh, when, um, you know, we're interviewing all the candidates. When uh, Deborah Ruggiero was here, um, Ruggiero, she's uh, running for lieutenant governor. And she's in a primary uh, with a whole bunch of other Democrats. And there, there are so many people in that primary uh, 
I don't know who you're going to be facing uh, on the uh, on the um, on the ballot in November. But here's the question uh, that Deb uh, had to deal with um, today: When you make a phone call, whether you're calling T-Mobile or uh, whether you're calling United Airlines or you're calling the state of Rhode Island. Uh, you cannot uh, get through to a human being. Right, the Q theory, right. as they say. Yeah. And I'm looking at your budget here, uh, $1.2 million, seven or eight employees uh, in the uh, lieutenant governor's office. Um, are you going to try to create a situation where if somebody is really having a problem, that they can call a number and, and have uh, like a real human being at the other end? Yeah, and I, I see that with especially the elderly community. And, Getting to long-term health care, you know, one in four um, citizens of Rhode Island will be 65 or older in 2030. So um, I know that when I talk to my father, you know, retired local 51 plumber, um, he has problems with usernames, passwords. Uh, we'll call it the modern technology. And uh, he's worked extremely hard to get the benefits. He's paid those taxes. And uh, there's nothing better than getting a human being on the phone. When I used to work with young salespeople or they, when I was at the bank and they would ask me, pick up the phone. A lot of different, gener you know, the younger generation, they want to send a text. You know, people do business with people they like. In addition, if you have a problem, you want to be heard. You want to be listened to. <laughs> and then you want to say, a lot of times if you just say to a person, look, this is going to take two weeks but let's have touch points in that two-week time frame so we know that I'm working on it, that there might be paperwork that you need to, to be working on simultaneously, and so then we can get to that solution. Because not all problems are, uh, here's a quick phone call and you connect to a person. Sometimes they're long-term. Sometimes it's just a, it, you have to go through the process, and it might be difficult. But if you keep working it, work in that problem you will get to a solution and if that you can't get to that solution you have to talk to people in government that can get to that so that's sort of my idea following comment is directed to people who are around 46 years of age how old are you 46 oh isn't <laughs> all right so here i am uh, um i'm in my uh my I, I know i don't look it but i'm in my late 70s here mm -hmm. yep. and um and i'm very tech tech savvy uh, I know how to um, how to uh, how to press one, two, and three. I know it. I don't like it though. I still just because I'm older, and just because I can do it, I do not want to um, get on the phone and um, and have somebody automated uh, talk to me. That's just not my preference. I yes. want a real human being, not because I'm old, not because I can't do it. I can do it. Yep. I don't want to do it. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> Neither do I. And I want to talk to a Rhode Islander, especially with, when I have a specialist. So, for example, you talk to somebody that uh, lived and not everyone that you know, I hire when elected will, will, might be from Rhode Island. But I'm going to have a staff of Rhode Islanders. I might so. be available then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you can, we can field the calls and we know where uh, certain areas of the state are. We we know when you start talking about, let's say, Arctic and West Warwick, like, I know exactly what that is. And it's important. You know, I grew up in East Greenwich. I went to East Greenwich High School. Um, Do you know what Connecticut is? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just checking. Good old Iggy's and clam cakes <laughs> and chowder and that in Warwick. But that's, that's important. And uh, whether it's long-term health care, whether it's um, small business, you need to be uh, able to quickly identify what the problem is, where they're at, and just like you said, communication and talking. And that's what I, you talked about the Rhode Island Foundation. A lot of times you have to talk to people for a while to kind of understand what the issue is. When I was a business banker at Washington Trust, sometimes I talked to them for a half an hour, and it would, it would take that half an hour to figure out what the problem is. And then it could be a simple solution, but kind of teething that out from the, the customer or the prospect was always a process. And that's what I'm willing to do, and I, that's what my office is going to do for the state of Rhode Island. 
All right, so we'll put them to the test. What city is Pontiac in? Oh, Cranston. <laughs> Back in a moment. Scott McGee from the Stearns McGee team is ready. Whether you're buying or selling a home or just curious about the local market conditions, Scott would love to offer his services to you. He knows the local community, both as an agent and a neighbor, and can help you guide through the nuances of the current real estate market. So let Scott work hard for you. Your real estate experience will be memorable and enjoyable. You can reach him directly at 401 639-2906. Let's meet for lunch or dinner at the Roast House. Their menu offers something for everyone. Seafood and chicken, roasts, steaks, and chops. Appetizers and their rotation of the heartiest soups in the area. Open Sunday through Thursday, 1130 to 9. Friday and Saturday, 1130 to 10 p.m. Now, here are some of the delicious choices awaiting you at the Roast House. Hey, the Roast House will be open uh, today, uh, well, 11.30, and uh, they do a great luncheon menu. They've been advertisers here at WNRI for a long time. We bring them customers, and, and we remind people that um, their luncheon uh, menu is outstanding, and I'm going to uh, take it upon myself to give you my favorite again, and that is the uh, tuna salad wrap on that menu. And uh, it's buttered, and it's a, it's a roll with uh, a lot of generous white albacore tuna in there and lettuce and tomato. And, um, and then I ask them to throw in a few jalapeno peppers uh, into that. Uh, you don't have to have it that way. $8.99, your choice of fries or um, mashed potatoes or vegetables of the day. You can have a baked potato if you want. It's a great luncheon menu and um, a very, very successful business. Roast House in... Blackstone. They also have another uh, place in Pawtucket. All right, what else do I have to do here? Uh, I think I have one more, uh, one more advertisement. Uh, let me check here in my lock. Oh yes. B&M Printing in Cumberland. Let us help you make an impression. We are B&M Printing. Trophies and signs in Cumberland. Do you know someone who deserves a trophy? Remember, we can personalize trophies at B&M. We are your right partner for printing, copying, and graphic design needs. Bring your ideas to life by calling B&M Printing at 401-334-3190 or visit us at 1300 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can order online at our website, b printingweb.com And when you get a uh, bill from WNRI or any uh, communication from WNRI, uh, I just wanted to let you know we support our local businesses. The uh, envelopes come from B&M Printing of Cumberland. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right, we're back to the panel, and uh, we have uh, a lieutenant governor candidate and... Uh, Aaron uh, Gukian is uh, in the studio with us, and we're uh, chatting about um, about Lieutenant Governor's position. I have a, a comment. I don't like the direction of the current um, Lieutenant Governor's office, to be quite honest with you. Uh, so one of the things that the Lieutenant Governor, and I don't blame her for what she's doing. I think she uh, she comes from Providence, and I think she was, you know, she was on the council there, and and so forth, but her her core issues seem very urban. It's all about affordable housing, and it's all about um, food challenges and, and stuff like that. And those are very important issues. They're just not important to me. And so I guess what happens is a lieutenant governor is going to be all things to uh, all people, or does a lieutenant governor have to do that, he or she? You're on. Well, I think it's, you know, you have to have a balance um, we have a lot of things, a lot, a lot of issues in this state that need to be tackled head on. Um, you know, the, the education formula, I was with the superintendent having a coffee and, and, um, I really think that we have to drill what down. Superintendent with, what superintendent? With a superintendent, you mean? Yeah, oh, super, I'll okay. just leave his okay. name right. because uh, I don't want to bring I just thought, thought you said the superintendent. Sorry, right. a superintendent, a uh, superintendent. from okay. a, from a town, uh, mm -hmm. that w that's not urban. And what happened, and I was talking to our, uh, in East Greenwich, you know, right at the end of the budget, a million dollars was taken away um, because of the formula. And, and I don't think, I think that, unfortunately, you know, Massachusetts, I think, has a much better education formula, and it's predictable. 
And whether you're going to lose money or you're going to gain money in the budget, it's important that you can plan. And small businesses always tell me, owners, just tell me what the rules are. And I think it was Smithfield and East Greenwich for certain, you know, that outer ring, um, if you think you're you're budgeting and it's in June and all of a sudden you find out you're not going to have a million dollars where you're scrambling. And I know this happened to my town. And uh, it, it's it's not fair to that community. And, uh, you know, although there's a lot of issues in the their urban core um, that, you know, you can address, uh, I think also that outer ring and how we keep, you know, those priorities straight and, and make sure, again, that, you know, you have an advocate up there that's not just talking about one community or one specific area in the state, but talking about the state as a whole and how we can tackle those issues at hand. All right. Uh, Lieutenant Governor's uh, position, um, is there enough um, staff, eight people, a little over a million bucks uh, to, to run the kind of uh, kind of office that you would like to run uh, i guess um well i think it's a start you yeah. know i think that the help desk more i think that once you get this and i'm not only going to hopefully do 8 30 to 4 30 but i'm going to extend the hours mm-hmm. when elected and that's 4 30 to the nine so that small business owner that's exhausted that has to get the food on the table which is a you know exploding right now gas groceries inflation you know seven o'clock they can call maybe a hotline we'll have people there that can at least Take the call, get the information, say, yeah, we'll get back to you on this. Um, because right now, as you know, our economy is an 830 to 430. And uh, I think that extension of hours will be very helpful. I think a start, um, what I learned at the Rhode Island Foundation specifically is to convene a group of experts, say, leave your stripes at the door and take some notes and get the highlights. It might be just one thing, but getting that small change can lead to big changes. Um, you know, for the people that are making let like the governor, the speaker, the Senate president, they're not, they don't have time to be vetting everything and convening experts um, about certain topics. But if you bubble something up, the, the public servants, um, for the most part, they want to do the right thing. They want to do for the um, citizens of Rhode Island. So I think it's a start. And I think also once you compile <laughs> some of that information, you get those frequently asked questions and you get answers. Then you start to figure out who the go-to people are in the state to answer the questions for whatever it is, whether it's, um, you know, like a loved one like I, uh, that's struggling through Alzheimer's, whether it's the, the, um, the head of a nursing home that's struggling to uh, um, maybe hire CNAs and maybe they uh, – Maybe they have a solution or an idea that can be bubbled up to uh, to the to the legislature. You know, that's my job as lieutenant governor, and um, and I think that rather than complaining, rather than saying what's wrong, rather than being being negative, I want to be positive. I want to help. I want to organize. I want to get information to people that can to can fix things. And I think that's the biggest problem. People ask me why am I running? It's because. I am tired of the negativity. We are in a very difficult environment. People are struggling out there. And we need help, and that's what I want to start. And then maybe other offices can model us, replicate it, that has more resources, and say, hey, that's a pretty good idea. Let's try to do that in, uh, you know, uh, whatever uh, it is in regards to maybe the Department of uh, Administration, we'll say. Aaron, do you feel the lieutenant governor's office ought to initiate any uh, legislation? Uh, you know, I you I think you've talked about your help desk. Yes. Uh, and um, but and, and that's a, that's incoming, and that's a good service. I probably would use it, and uh, I think that's uh, a legitimate role for the uh, lieutenant governor. But should should you be sitting down writing legislation? Well, I think that once you get data and you do your due diligence. And I learned this again at the Rhode Island Foundation they, with, the, um, with the grants team, is they just do such a vetting, a great job of vetting. You know, we want to, when, we, when, we, when, we, when they allocate monies to certain organizations, you want to make sure that they're going to do the right thing with it. In the lieutenant governor's office, once I get the, the problems and, and hear the problems through the help center, the next step, I think, is getting common sense legislation that makes sense just let's just say, for example, the hard and soft ice cream that has already been rectified. That's a perfect example of just government getting interrupting small business. There's a lot of those small 
situations that I hear that people are getting these barriers for entry, they're slowing down, and if you can put legislation in the hands or suggest some um, some suggestion, uh, some legislation, excuse me, to, uh, let's just say, the House or the Senate and to the governor's office, and you have that due, you have that background to say this is the why, then they're more uh, apt to act rather than just creating legislation out of nowhere saying, oh, this would be helpful, and, and the, uh, the whole thing is why. What's the, what's the reason? And do you have the, the data to back it up? And that's what I'm hoping to compile with the Help Center. So you would actually discover an issue and then maybe write some legislation because you found the issue once you're in the office. Correct. Right. It's sort of a discovery process, and, um, and that's what I look forward to be doing. Toward the end of the show here, if you're just joining us, uh, the gentleman you're hearing is uh, Aaron Gukian. He's running for lieutenant governor. He'll be um, on the ballot. Hopefully he'll be on the ballot in November, and uh, you'll have a chance uh, to... Um, choose from him or uh, some other candidate um one more don kachiri question yeah, uh, yeah so yeah. do you do you ever talk to him uh yeah I just, is he okay uh you know give us a rundown on that before we ask you to review your candidacy yeah he's he's healthy as a horse he actually twisted his ankle a few weeks ago and he told me you know he, <laughs> the doctor was like you're, you're the healthiest 79 year old i know uh he's he's great shot he's um happy he's retired um, I talk to his uh, children all the time. They're actually throwing me a fundraiser at Richard's Pub at 5.30 to 7.30 in East Greenwich this Thursday. Um, and so, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's supporting me. Um, Governor Almond is supporting me. I've, uh, I've talked to Governor Almond and his family. Um, so I'm really excited trying to, you know, bring the party back, back to that core bread and butter, which is the economy. The economy, the economy, the economy. And gas and groceries. People want to talk about all sorts of, um, let's say, national issues and international issues sometimes in the trail. I have no control over that. And uh, I don't want to speculate on what's going to happen. People in my life right now, what can you do now? And it's what can I control? And all I know is what I can do as, you know, when elected as lieutenant governor. And uh, that's what I'm excited about. So we wish you the best, and we want to thank you for uh, coming into uh, town and and chatting with us. And uh, we'll um, maybe one last thing. Yeah, you should. I, I'm also an opera singer. So oh, yeah? when you're talking about Tuscany. You know, I, I have a master's uh, um, in music and and the arts, and uh, it's something that I'm very proud of as well. So you know, last point is qualifications matter in this race. And uh, you know, I have a master's in business. I've worked in banks. And financial services. I worked at the Rhode Island Foundation. I was a teacher. I worked in the governor's office, and I'm also an opera singer. And you know, arts education I think is critical. Um, it's it's important, obviously. You know, um, reading, writing, and arithmetic, which I hope we get back to. Mm -hmm. And the teachers that I talk to, they're so inundated with forms and process and things that they, rather than teaching the core. And then also with music education, I think it would be, and arts education would be important. So when was the last time you sang an operatic uh, aria? Oh, good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I sing all the time. I sing on the trail, um, you know. and You sing on the South County Trail? <laughs> no, the whole <laughs> Is that what you state, mean? Yeah, the whole state. The Wampanoag Trail, right? <laughs> right, right, right. right. Yeah. What do you... So, but did, did you ever sing professionally? Um, yeah, I sang in Italy. You're talking about Tuscany. I went to the Eastman School of Music. Uh -huh. I actually finished at Rhode Island College after I was on tour. And um, so, yeah, I sang down in, in the South, and, and I still sing professionally. I was a cantor for years at St. Jude's Church. And, and uh, you know, being a Catholic, you know, a devout Catholic, you know, maybe I... If devout is a strong word, but I try my best. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm proud of it. Uh, I sang at multiple churches. I still do that to this day. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of singing. Love Ladies it. and gentlemen, Aaron did not uh, bring up in his uh, discussion with us this morning mm -hmm. 
that he was uh, chairman of the Warwick Sewer Authority. Yes. Now, how come you didn't bring that up? Yeah, exactly. But that's important, you know. Well, yeah, it's important. I mean, the, the jokes are endless. But when uh, the, the second largest city, and it's now the third largest city, couldn't flush during the, mm-hmm. during the uh, flood, uh, now it's important policy. Yeah. And, uh, and it Im- and impacts businesses and everything. And I learned a lot almost that decade of work, and I was very proud of what we did over there. Aaron, it was a pleasure chatting with you, and hope you enjoyed the conversation here, too. I'm very grateful, and thank you for the opportunity. Back in a moment. Welcome to Woonsocket's longest-running real estate office. Fountain Real Estate, founded in 1969 by Richard N. Fountain, is a third-generation family business providing exceptional service throughout all of Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Our motto is, our clients always come first. Over 50 years in business, give us a call or visit us at 1028 Park Avenue and find out why Fountain and real estate go together. Same number since 1969, 401-769-7821. Make your next meal something special. Regardless of the season, Michael's Meats can elevate your next summer meal from ordinary to extraordinary. With the finest cuts on the market, from certified Angus beef to fresh hamburger, juicy chicken breast, and pork chops, we make it easy to create memorable meals for you and your family. Stop in for your summer grilling needs. We make our own salads. Michael's Meats, family-owned and operated since 1972, 2130 Menden Road, Cumberland. Join me, Sheldon, for the program Sheldon in the City, heard right here on WNRI every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. I'll be covering a wide range of topics that can help you grow your business and lessons that may even improve your everyday life. Every Thursday morning, 9 a.m., Sheldon in the City on WNRI. Hey, do you have a problem with your car? May we recommend George's in Mapleville. Get all your auto repairs taken care of in one place. George's Auto Body and Repair has been serving the Northern Rhode Island community since 1968 with repairs, car maintenance, towing, and used car sales. Whether you drive a car, truck, or SUV, you can depend on our team to keep it looking good and driving better. There's no vehicle that we can't work on. George's Auto Body and Repair, 795 Victory Highway, Mapleville, off of Broncos Highway. Hey, thanks for being with us on the Upfront program today. Tomorrow, uh, Scott McGee uh, running for city council here in Woonsocket. And uh, we'll be uh, chatting with him about uh, why he's uh, decided to enter the race. And he's got some pretty good reasons. Had a nice little conversation with him yesterday. And uh, he'll be with us tomorrow on the Upfront program. This has been WNRI's Upfront. Presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Woonsocket.